Uh, as you can see, we're having a few technical problems. Uh, it's not their fault. Uh, in fact, we're going to talk about that a little bit. All right. Thank you. We don't want it to be a distraction. We, of course, want it to be a help. So we hope we get that all figured out. We welcome you today. And uh, some of you, yeah, maybe your guests today, and just want to tell you that uh, as a church, we're on a journey. All right. Uh, Ten days ago, uh, it was about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, winding up uh, stuff for that day. And uh, one of my friends popped in, and he had relatives. He had friends with him. And he said, hey, we're going out to dinner. You want to come? You know, you, you want to invite Donna and you go? And, and uh, sure enough, our evening was free, and Donna said we could. And so uh, we, we went. We got to join in on their family trip. Now, if you're a guest today... Uh, we're going to invite you to join in on the family journey uh, today because we're on what we're calling our all journey. And we'll explain what that's all about. We are studying the life of Abraham because our life is a lot like his in what God calls us to do and in what God wants to do and what, how God wants to bless us. You're on a journey. Uh, you're on a journey whether you want to go on one or not. Uh, hate to remind you, but today you're one day closer to the day you die. Just thought I'd bring that up, okay? Uh, you're on a journey. Uh, I read that the average person, uh, moderately active, takes about 7,500 steps a day. And if you were to do that for 80 years, around life expectancy, you would take 216,262,500 steps in your lifetime, all right? That's quite a few. Uh, that is about 110,000 miles. And that's equal to the fact that you could, have, you could walk around the earth about four and a half times, okay? If you can swim well as well, all right? Now, uh, that's not a very good goal just to walk around the earth, all right? But our goal is to walk with the Lord, with Jesus, to heaven. How do you walk with Jesus to heaven? How do you get there? Well, it's kind of like, you know, eating an elephant. One step at a time. And you know that is an excellent description of what the Christian life is supposed to be. Our spiritual journey should be us taking the next steps God asked us to take to follow Jesus Christ. Again, we've been looking at the life of Abraham. Boy, I mean, his story just really demonstrates this so vividly for us. And God told Abraham that he would take those steps. He came to him time and time and time again. Said, and God said, Abraham, if you'll take these steps that I'm asking you to take, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make you the father of millions of descendants who are going to obey God and follow me also. And you're going to bless the whole world. Now, there was just one problem with that promise God gave to him to be the father of multitude. Abraham was 75. Uh, they... Abraham and his wife Sarah, they were past childbearing. I mean, the plumbing was all dried up. There was no way. And that was a big problem, wasn't it? It was a big problem for, for Abraham. 
but it was no problem for God. And I know a lot of people would might scoff, oh, yeah, sure, you know, Abraham had a child, you know, when he was 100, it actually turned out to be. Listen, friend, if, if God is powerful enough to create the universe, if God is powerful enough to create males and females who in very special ways come together and uh, conceive and a child as well, if God can design that process, if he has the power to do that, don't you think he's powerful enough to override the process and bring a baby to anybody he wants? Of course. There's no problem that God cannot solve. And so when Abram was actually 100 years old then, that child was born to Abram and Sarah. And his name was Isaac. That's very interesting that Isaac means son of laughter. Now... <laughs> If your 100-year-old neighbor had a child, would you do a little laughing yourself? Oh, I'm sure there was a lot of laughter going on. And Sarah, poor Sarah, she had to laugh because she had two that were in diapers, her baby and her husband. So, I mean, uh, there was a lot of laughter. Isaac brought them joy. And Sarah rocked that baby. Abram played peekaboo. And Isaac grows, and, and Abram plays with him and prays with him. And Abraham loved that son. He loved that son more than himself. And finally, after all the challenges of his life, life was good, as we would say. Oh, it's all good. Life was good. It was comfortable. It was easy. But Abraham was on a journey. And the journey wasn't over. And friend, neither is yours. Would you take uh, two fingers and would you put them on your wrist right there? And would, you know, if you feel anything, that means your journey is not over. If you are breathing, your journey's not over. There are next steps that God is going to ask you to take. And he's going to ask you to take them because they're the best thing that can happen to you. And in Genesis 22, we come to the story of a next step, a huge next step. But, friend, and although it'll vary in detail, it's the next step that God wants all his children to take. And that's what we're talking about today. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Sometime later, years had passed, okay, since the original promise, since Abraham began this journey. It's not over. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, here I am. That means, okay, God, I know you're going to tell me to do something. God said, take your son, your only son, the son you love, and go to the region of Moriah. And Abraham... I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Sacrificing him as a burnt offering on the mountain, I will show you. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. How could a God of love, this is a question everybody ever reads this story asks, how could a God of love ask Abraham to sacrifice his son? And I just want to say two things. This one is this. 
you won't know the answer to that. You won't understand. It'll make absolutely no sense at all until you read the whole story in Genesis, but especially until you read the whole Bible. And the Bible's the answer to that. And the second thing is this. God is not going to ask you to sacrifice your child as a burnt offering. Now, when they get to be teenagers, you're going to be tempted to do that, that, but, but it's a sin, so don't, all right? Then why did God ask Abraham to kill the son he waited for for so long and loved so much? Now, I want you to notice the two words in those verses there. Is the screen working? Oh, good, okay. There are two words there, and the first one is tested. And the second one is sacrifice. We'll talk about sacrifice later, but let's talk about test. God tested Abraham. And God, I just got to tell you, God's going to test you too. This is is part of your spiritual journey. Okay? God tested Abraham. Why? Because he wanted to bless Abraham. Because he wanted to make Abraham the father of millions of people who would know and love and serve God. That's you. And the second thing is that God wanted to make him fabulously wealthy. And why is that? Because he wanted Abraham not to have just that stuff for himself. He wanted him to bless the whole world. He wanted him to bless others with all the blessings that God gave to him. And God tested Abraham to grow him. In school, did you ever learn anything if there wasn't a test that you had to study for? Probably not. God wanted to, God tested Abraham to grow him into a person that would do whatever God asked him to do, even if it didn't make any sense at all to Abraham or to us. God was testing Abraham. Abraham, do you trust me enough to obey me even if you don't understand Do you trust me enough to obey even when you don't want to? That's the last thing that you want to do? God said, Abraham, can I trust you with all the blessings that I want to give to you, not to keep them for yourself, but to bless your world? What would you have done if God asked you to sacrifice your firstborn? I don't know what I'd have done. What did Abraham do? Verse 3. Early the next morning. I would have put it off for months, years, or forever. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac, of course. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God told him about. And friend, there's just a huge principle here. God tests us. Now, let's, let's distinguish that. Satan tempts us. Satan tempts us to destroy us. Okay? This is totally different. different. God tests us to grow us. God tests us to bless us. So will bless others. Good teachers don't give you t- tests to flunk you. They give you tests to help you learn. They to help you grow. In my high school, there's a physics teacher named Mr. Spangler. 
Mr. Spangler was a very interesting guy. And one of the things, his most memorable lesson was on the law of the pendulum. Now, you know about the, a pendulum, okay? Now, because of gravity, uh, a pendulum swings, okay? And it goes back and forth, back and forth. But the law of the pendulum means that the gravity pulls on that, and so it makes less and less of an arc with every swing until it eventually comes to a stop. Now, Mr. Spangler taught that law in a very interesting way. He hung a bowling ball from the ceiling of his classroom. He then would go and get the bowling ball that was suspended near the floor. He would take it, he would back up against the wall so that the bowling ball was right against his nose. Then he would let go of the bowling ball. And the bowling ball would arc all the way over the other wall and it would come back. Did it hit his nose? No because of the law of the pendulum. Now, Mr. Spangler taught that law by doing that, and he didn't move. Would you? How many of you believe in the law of the pendulum? That, you know, the arc just gets shorter and shorter. How many of you believe that? How many of you would stand in front of a bowling ball to prove it? Mr. Spangler believed in the law of the pendulum. Friend, Abraham believed in a more important law than that. And God wants to bring you and me to the point that we believe in that law too. And it's the law of the promises. The law of the promises of God. If God, is, God said it's true, it's true. And friend, that's what faith is. Faith is believing the promises of God. And some people would say, well, you know, I mean, some people, you know, some Christians are supposed to have a, a great amount of faith, but not me, you know, okay? Well, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. We never come to the point where we believe the promises of God are true, even when we're afraid they're not, even when we don't think it'll work, even when we don't want to. If we don't believe that, that's not faith. And friend, that's why God put the story of Abraham. That's why God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. To teach you and me that life is a test. And it's not just one test. It's many, many tests for all the steps in our spiritual journey of following Jesus. And why does God test us? We'll say it again. God tests us to grow us and to bless us so that we'll bless others. And these tests are not optional. Now, what if you were in school, and, you know, at the end of the period, uh, or the uh, course, excuse me, <clears throat> you just said, well, I'm not taking that test. I don't want to. Well, you wouldn't, okay? But what would happen? You'd fail. And, friend, failing a test in school is... Mm, pretty bad, but actually, you know, you keep on living. You're not going to die. But friend, failing a test that God gives us causes us to start shriveling up and dying spiritually. Saying no to God is a contradiction. 
Because if he's God, we can't say no to him. And if we do say no to God, then he's not our God. We're God. We're reserving the right to make final decisions about what we will and will not do. And see, Abraham was not willing to do that. God blessed Abraham because God was his God. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son when it was a test, when it was the last thing he wanted to do. Why? Because he trusted God. So, verse 4, on the third day, they're on the journey. They're on the journey. Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He saw Mount Moriah. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey because Isaac and I, we're going to go over there. You stay here. We're going to go up there and worship. And then we will come back. Abraham fully expected that he was going to have to slay his son. We're going to find out how I'm absolutely sure of that. He was sure he was going to have to sacrifice his son to his servant. Well, then what did he say to these servants, okay? He said, after we worship, we will come back. What's he thinking then? How can he sacrifice him and then we come back? Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19 tells us exactly what Abraham was thinking. It was by faith he was trusting God that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. And here's why he's willing to do it. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Abraham believed God was going to raise his son from the dead. Why? Because God had promised that Isaac was going to be the first of many, many descendants. How could he be the first of many, many descendants if he's dead? Nope. Abraham said, nope, God, I know you keep your promises, so I guess you're just going to raise him from the dead. And friend, that, that, that's faith. That's taking God at his word. He believed that Isaac was the promised child and the one through whom all these descendants would come. Faith, here's my favorite definition of faith, taking God at his word. Second, obeying God because we trust God in every area of our life. That was the reason for all these different tests. Because we all have different areas of life. We all face new challenges and new situations and new circumstances as we make, go on this journey. And it's trusting Him in every one of the areas of our life, spiritually, for our salvation. Physically, to be our strength, to be our healer. Relationally, to, to get us into right relationships with others, help us to maintain, maintain professionally so that we have the job that God wants us to have, so that it's our mission and also our provision. Professionally, financially, every area of our life then comes under the Lordship of Christ, and we're going to trust Him in every one of those areas because we're following Him. See, that's what our all journey is all about. Jesus, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? 
hey, if I'm going to do one, what is it? And Jesus said what? Love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, with every area of your life, not just parts of your life, okay? Not just the religious part, not, not, not just the health part, every part, all. Because as someone has said, if Jesus is not Lord of all of us, then he's not Lord at all in our lives. And, and think about that. That's, that sounds like awfully demanding, but think about this. If you want to stay alive, you have to, at a minimum, eat, breathe, sleep. What if you only do one of those? You're not going to live for long. And see, the Christian life, if we want to stay alive spiritually, it's not just, we just don't do one thing, you know. Uh, we're, we're asked to give all. If you're, in order to follow Jesus and stay alive spiritually, we have to worship. We have to pray. We have to talk to our Heavenly Father. We have to serve Him. We have to share the good news with others in whatever way we can. We have to give. See, Following Jesus means that we do all, not just one or two or three. And I know many Christians, you know, sometimes we as Christians think, well, well, you know, I come to church and, and I pray. So I'm living the Christian life. Well, what about uh, serving? What about the fact that the mission God gave to us is to let others know? What about the fact that Jesus told us to give? Let's be all Christians. Our all journey is about us thinking about doing all that God wants us to do and not just a part of it. And that's the life story of Abraham. God taking him through these steps so that he gave his all to his God. So verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, yes, my son, Abraham, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God told them about, God built, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And then he bound his son Isaac. He tied his hands. He tied his feet. And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I. Oh, that, that was the time Abraham was really ready to say, yes, I'm here. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not do anything to him. And God says, now I know that you, or the angel says, now I know you fear God because you have not 
withheld. You have not withheld from me the most precious thing that you love, your greatest treasure in the world, your only son. Abraham trusted God enough to sacrifice the thing that he loved the most. Now our human response is, God, that's too much to ask. God, that's too much to ask. But what does God do for those who won't withhold anything? For those who are willing to sacrifice? Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham named that mountain, the Lord will provide. What does God do for those who are willing to sacrifice the things we really love? Our hobby, our family, our job, our money. God becomes our provider. God, who gives us everything we need for life and godliness, Peter said, who also gave up all to follow Jesus. And friend, I just want to ask you, who do you want to be your provider? Your paycheck or the provider? You want God or the government? Many Christians are afraid to trust God in giving. And... Um, I have great fears in giving as well. So don't think that I have not wrestled and struggled and worked through this process and needed God. God has tested me many times. Many times to teach me that he wants to be my provider. <laughs> I remember back when we were in that small church over on South Lockwood Ridge Road. And uh, it was too small. And uh, we found a church that was willing to exchange uh, our small lot and building for this property. And the, and the church voted, the 37 adult members voted unanimously to do that. So we had a piece of property. But now we need a million dollars to build this building. And we all just took it to God. I said, God, what do you want us to do? And I remember what God told me to do. He said, you know that uh, new one-year-old car that you just bought so that Donna, who was uh, subbing at the time, would have a car for transportation and I would have one too? He said, I want you to sell that. Sell that car? And you know, I really wrestled. I really wrestled. Didn't want to do it. There are people in the church who didn't want me to do it either. They told me. Said, Ron, you can't, you don't sell that car. Said, we'll get the money somehow in the next 20 or 30 years. Well, we'll, do, we'll do that. No, no problem. Never did sell the car. Put the for sale sign on. Never sold it. God had another plan. Donna was subbing at the time. She always wanted to be home for our uh, boys who, you know, come home from school and stuff. She was subbing, and she got a call, 
and it was a long time, long term subposition. That would mean regular work. That would mean extra pay. And God provided. God provided. Friend, I just want to tell you, God's a provider. God's a provider. And our question here this morning, the thing that we've got to see from Abraham's life, that this, I mean, God asked him to sacrifice his own son. I mean, there's got to be a reason why God did that. It's the only time he ever asked anybody to do that. And he didn't carry through on it. It was never God's plan for him, for Isaac to die. It was God's plan to teach Abraham real faith and trust and that he was the provider. Why does God test us? To grow us, to bless us, so we bless others. And as we kind of wrap this up, of whom, I'm going to ask this question, of whom does God require sacrifice? Just Abraham? Let's look at Abraham, yes, of course. And God knew he could bless Abraham <laughs> because Abraham was willing to sacrifice his greatest treasure to God. And friend, God does not ask us to sacrifice to make us poor. He tells us, you sacrifice and I will pour, P-O-U-R, blessings out on your life so you can bless others. Of whom does God require sacrifice? Abraham, Isaac. As they trudged up the mountain, Abraham, or excuse me, Isaac asked, uh, Dad, where's the sacrifice? You know he'd figured it out. It didn't take him long to realize they weren't carrying a sacrifice because he was it. And then Abraham started building the altar. And I bet there was not a word spoken. And then he asked Isaac to stick out his hands, and he started tying them, and then he tied his feet. And it was crystal clear to Isaac. Isaac knew that God was asking him to be the sacrifice, and he could have easily run away from his father, who was over 100 years old, but he didn't. He laid down on the altar, and he watched his father raise uh, his arm with that knife to slit his throat. As, as Abraham had done so many times with an animal sacrifice. Isaac was willing. And because Isaac was willing, what did God do? God provided. God provided something better than the sacrifice, an animal to die in his place. Friend, God provided the lamb, the ram for Isaac, he provided a ram, a lamb, excuse me, for you and for me. Of whom did God, does God require sacrifice? His own son, Jesus. Moriah, the mountain, that's the same mountain where 2,000 years later, Jesus would let his hands and feet be tied and then nailed to a wooden altar that the Romans called a cross. He was sacrificing his life for you and for me. And this time, there was no substitute. And friend, here's the point. God wants us to sacrifice. He asks us to. Why? 
Because Jesus is a sacrifice, and we can't truly become like him if we will never sacrifice ourselves. But who's the real sacrificer in this story? Abraham? Isaac? Jesus? No, it's God. Because you see, as hard as it was for Isaac to be the sacrifice, I believe with all my heart it was harder for Abraham. As hard as it was for Jesus to die on the cross, I believe it was even harder for God the Father to watch his son. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Any sacrifice you or I ever make for God cannot compare with God sacrificing his one and only son for you and for me. Of whom does God require sacrifice? Number five, of you and me. All of us. The gospel is good news. The good news that a holy God who can't let any sin into heaven sacrificed his son so that our sins could be forgiven and we could go there and live with him forever and ever and ever. Of whom does God require sacrifice? All of us. Why? Because sacrifice is the only thing that will help us realize that if God didn't sacrifice, we would be eternally separated from God because of our sin. If there's no sacrifice, that wasn't part of God's plan, you and I would have no hope of heaven. Sacrifice helps us realize that we won't fully know and experience the love of our sacrificing Savior. <laughs> we won't really get it if we won't sacrifice ourselves. That God won't bless us if he knows we're just going to keep those blessings all for ourselves instead of being a blessing to others. And friend, you know we live in a selfie world, don't we? A selfie world. That just doesn't describe taking pictures. That describes our outlook. And God asks us to sacrifice because sacrifice is the only thing that will keep us from being selfish. And that's why God tells us to sacrifice our time. That's why God tells us to come together to worship him on the Lord's day, to pray, spend time in prayer, spend time fellowshipping with other Christians. God tells us to sacrifice our talents, to serve God instead of just serving ourselves. That's why God tells us to sacrifice our treasures, our money. And I know that many Christians do not think that churches should talk about money, that preachers should not preach about money and giving and tithing. And, and friend, I, yeah, I just, you know, be right up front. It's not my favorite topic. In fact, we haven't had a series on giving in years. And I, I need to apologize for that. Because it, it is an important part of our Christian life, of our love for God and our love for a lost world. And there are many reasons why we should talk about giving. Jesus did, talked about it a lot. God's word, here's another one. God's word tells us this, that the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, the only thing that will keep us from loving money, someone said, is giving it away. If we can give it away, if we can give some of it away. God has asked us to give all of it. But if we can give some of it away, that will keep us from being absorbed with self. Sacrifice. God asked Abraham to sacrifice his greatest 
treasure. And when, God, when Abraham gave his all to God, what happened? Poverty? No blessing. When Abraham gave his sacrifice, God gave it back and more because he knew that Abraham would use it to carry out his life mission. And friend, we're all on that mission. We're all on a journey. Our all journey about us is a church. Okay. It's not about money. We're going to talk about money during this time because it's one of the, one of the important parts of our discipleship, our following Jesus. But it's an important part about our mission. And friend, that's what our all journey is about. We have a mission. Jesus gave us a mission to be disciples, to grow as disciples, and then to go and make disciples of others. That's our mission, to love God and others, to come inside these walls to worship, to go outside to share Christ with others. And, and I am so thankful for your elders and governing board. They have decided that we as a church, we're going to take our next steps to be more faithful to our mission, to be more fruitful in seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. There's two big steps that we have, and they're in your bulletin there. They're listed, I think, on the inside page, page two, okay? In the first one, we're going to expand our outreach. We're going to do more to get out into our community so that we tell more about, show more the love of Jesus and share that with them. And, and so we have our outreach ministries like the, our Monday morning coffee and wind-shaped camps in the summer and our Alliance Youth and we just had football Sunday. That's a, that's a way to connect with others. And water day and the ladies' tea where 200 guests come for that. But we want to do more. And that's why we started Uncommon Kids. Jason was talking about that event yesterday at Lakeview School with 29 kids there and their parents. That's, a, that's reaching out to our community. We have mentoring going on at three elementary schools now, at Lakeview and Tatum Ridge and Gulf Gate, where as adults meet one-on-one -on -one with students at risk. Uh, the Ironmen have met with the Lake Sarasota Homeowners Association to offer help to some uh, people in need in that community. Uh, we have people serving with Bridge of Life and Sela and other things. We're going to expand our outreach. We're going to get out in our community and show them the love of God. And there's a second thing we need to do. We've got to update our worship center here. Uh, I did not plan those technical problems on the screen today. All right? I did not do that. <laughs> okay? But that's one of the problems. Our, our uh, equipment, our wiring, electric, everything. Our air They're 27 years old. They're way past life expectancy. They're going to fail one day, <laughs> okay? One day, we, that, they won't turn on at all, won't work at all, okay? One day, the air conditioners will be gone. We've got to update. And uh, last week, and we're just going to show you a couple slides. Last week, Jay is uh, heading up our building committee. He just showed you. We've gone to an architect. What's the best thing for us to do? Not just to replace things as they break down, but to remodel and to make it look like it should be. And so we've got a master plan that uh, phase one here. We've got to start here because here's where the you know, problems and the needs, the immediate needs are. And we've got to remodel that. And then that will, of course, be moving into other areas. You know, we have to update the bathrooms and so forth. But we have a master plan. The second part would be that master plan. And the reason for that, I've got to keep going to the next one, is you, uh, you may have noticed that all the families enter in the back door and all the uh, empty nesters enter in the front door. 
okay, on Sunday morning, because that's where check-in is back there, okay? We don't have really a connecting area. And that would just be so great to have that connecting area where we really can see each other before or after services and really share and really. And so th- th- we've worked long and hard and said, God, how do we address these needs and how do we make our, our, our facilities match up with our mission to connect people with God and with each other, to love God, to love each other. And our mission, that's our mission. That's what it is. It's to take us, to bring us inside these walls. And it's to take us out so that we show the love of God. Journey. To reach destination, you've got to take the next step. And that's what the Christian life is. It's taking the next step. The next step that God has for each one of us individually, but the next step that God has for us as a church. And so what are some next steps here? Oh, I hope that you'll come faithfully. We've got two more Sundays of this all campaign. Oh, I just hope that you'll join us for that because we've got a mission. And this mission is too big for just part of us to do. All of us need to be involved. Just imagine what God would do if all of us were on mission for what God has for us. Join a small group. Go over to the CLC because that's where we talk about it and help each other and encourage each other. But friend, the lesson from today we see as we come to this third step in Abraham's life, it's sacrifice. Giving our time to worship and pray and fellowship. Giving our talents to serve God. Oh, we have a lot of people serving, but half of you don't. We'd love to get you in a ministry. We can serve God and serve others. And friend, giving your treasures. Last week, Mike shared with you about the fact that, you know, about half the people in most uh, Christian churches give essentially nothing to the church. They depend on other people to keep the lights on and the air on and the facilities up to date and repaired. Oh, friend, we need you. And again, I just say, all, are all here. It's not about getting enough to remodel. It's about our mission. Our mission is dependent on God's people giving so that we can carry out our mission and our ministry. Our mission is not a building, but hey, this building is where a lot of our mission is accomplished. Our all journey is about discipleship, us being disciples who are willing to follow Jesus and, and to serve and to pray and to share Christ and to give and to sacrifice for our Savior who sacrificed so much to us. Giving is a very important part of being a disciple of Jesus, probably the hardest. Probably the hardest. But God asks for our all. God asks for our all. Because that's the only way God can bless all our life. All our life. Our family, our jobs, our relationships, and our finances. God wants to be our provider. And so God's asking us to take those next steps. Those next steps. Last week, Mike also showed you up on the screen uh, a giving ladder. A giving ladder. You know, what step are you on? Or maybe you're a first-time giver. Maybe you've never given to church before. Maybe you're occasional. Well, I give every once in a while if I have a little extra or something. Or maybe you're intentional. No, I give. I give. Because, hey, I'm I'm in. I I want this to be my church. I want us to carry out our mission. I'm in. So you give. And then there are those who give. 
as God directed uh, so many people in the Bible to, to give a tithe, give 10%. Give 10%. In fact, God says, you know, we talked today about God testing us. In Malachi, God said, now I want you to test me. You tithe and you see if I won't pour out my blessing on your life. And then there's the generous giver who want to go beyond that. My father was a generous giver. Never made much. But he was a generous giver. And God met all our needs. We always went on vacations. We had cars. Never missed a meal. Sent three kids through college without a debt. God provided all that. Saying, I don't know where you're at. But I do think God would like for love for all of us to take the next step. Take the next step of trusting God. Of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Two weeks from today, March 11th, we're going to have our big Give Sunday. We're calling this all, and we hope that all in Sarasota Alliance will want to be on mission with us. Because God can do so much more if we're all in. So, March 11th. Well, what should you be doing? Not planning on being away that day, okay? Not planning to go to Disney or camping or, you know, go see relatives. Our mission is so big. We need all of you. Our mission is so important. It's the most important thing that we do in this life. Oh, we hope you'll join us for our alternative. What should you be praying? What, what does God want you to do? Nobody is going to pressure you personally, individually. I hope you're going to be listening to God and asking him that you'll want to be on mission. That you want God to bless you because you want him to be your provider and because you want to bless others. We don't want to be selfish. We don't be self-consumed. We want our lives to count. God knew he could bless Abraham because Abraham was willing to sacrifice. And the question is, does God know he can do the same thing with us? Shall we pray? Father, this topic of sacrifice, this, this topic of giving. It's so hard for so many of us. It's so hard for me to preach about. It's so hard for us. We have fears. We have unexpected bills. We have health situations. We have rising costs. We have fixed incomes. All the things that we might use as reasons not to really trust you. And God, I, I ask you to help me. I want to be a generous giver to the God who gave generously to us your own son. And you didn't have a substitute. It was your son who died on that altar. And that's the only hope that I have of heaven. That's the only hope, friend, that you and I have of eternal life. Is that Jesus was willing to be a sacrifice for us. 
So, Father, would you help us? Father, you gave us a mission. Oh, just imagine, God, church, what that mission, what it would look like around here if everybody was all in, all on mission. And God, we just ask that you'd make that a reality, that you would help us in that way. And, and friends, while your head is bowed and your eyes closed, nobody's looking at you and don't look at anybody else, but just look up in the face of God. This is, this is for you and God. And, and just visualize your hands. In fact, maybe you just want to, right where they are in your lap, just put them palms up. Palms up and open. And now, squeeze your hands as if you're holding on tightly to something. The thing that you would just really hate to have to give up if God asked you like he asked Abraham. And then if you just willingly but slowly release that grip and just say, God, I know I'll be afraid if you ask me to sacrifice, but I want to do it. I want to do it for you and for your kingdom. I want to do it for lost people who need to hear about Jesus like someone told me. And I want to do it for me because I don't want to be self-consumed. I don't want to keep all your blessings for myself. I want to be like Abraham and be a blessing to my world. And God, would you help us? Sacrifice is really hard for us, really scary for us. But you, God, sacrificed for us. You gave your only son. You, Jesus, sacrificed for us. You willingly laid down on that cross when you could have called 10,000 angels to uh, rescue you. No, you sacrificed yourself. So, Lord, if we're going to be like you, teach us how to sacrifice for things that really count, things that really matter. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Two things.